Hi, and welcome to Office Hours, a podcast of Westminster Seminary, California, that takes you inside the seminary and face-to-face with our faculty. I'm Scott Clark. We have three special guests today. We're talking with Ross Hodges, Chuck Tedrick, and Dan Borvin. They're all uh, seminary students, uh, Master of Divinity students, and MA students here at Westminster Seminary, California. Welcome, men, uh, to Office Hours. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, well, it'll take a little while for everyone to get to know uh, who everyone is. So, uh, But welcome, and we're glad you're here, and uh, especially Ross is a brand-new student uh, from the southeast part of the country. Uh, Chuck, you're from Detroit. And Dan, we're, we're not entirely sure where you're from. <laughs> well, there, there have been spec- there's been speculation on campus, but... He's in the Witness Relocation Program. <laughs> So, the and, mean streets of the Windy City. Okay, mean streets. And uh, our, our uh, producer today is uh, the lovely and talented uh, Katie Wagonmaker, so we're grateful for her. A graduate of the seminary. Yeah, a graduate of the seminary, so we're grateful for her help. You, uh, you may know Katie from the uh, bookstore at uh, Westminster Seminary, California, uh, wscal.edu slash bookstore. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this program brought to you by. That's right. All right, so I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five questions that I want to cover with you guys, and then we'll see we'll see what uh, comes up. But the the most basic question that uh, that uh, I think you all uh, need to discuss, or that we ought to discuss, and that people want to hear about, the listener wants to hear, uh, and that is why Westminster Seminary, California. Now it, there are a lot of options when you're looking at reformed theological education in the country. When, when I went to seminary in 1984. It was really a, a small handful of choices. But since that time, uh, there's been a proliferation of major seminaries and, and you know, rather smaller seminaries of all sorts, all offering Reformed theological education. So you had to choose, uh, which I guess is appropriate for your uh, generation in as much as you live in the generation of choice, right? Uh, internet, uh, cable, and, and all those kinds of choices. So uh, why Westminster Seminary, California? Chuck? I chose Westminster Seminary, California, because I was familiar with the professors from their writings and hearing them at different conferences, and I was very impressed with their teaching and their commitment to the Reformed faith, uh, the confessional fidelity, and also uh, their stance or unanimity on the doctrine of justification just as an institution here as well. So what I'd heard of them and what I've read from them mostly in places like Modern Reformation and Whitehorse Inn or their own books and publications, I really wanted to go and learn from these particular people. Um, And knowing that the seminary, from looking into it and deciding where to go and where not to go, that the student-teacher ratio was such that I was going to have them actually as teachers and not TAs was something that was very important to me and that most likely I'd be able to spend time with them and learn from them outside of the classroom as well, which was something that was important. intriguing to me and helpful and has proved to be i've been here three years now and actually some of my times talking with them either in their offices or out to lunch or just around campus have augmented what we learn in the classroom and that was one of the main reasons i wanted to come was Mm -hmm. for these particular professors and what they're teaching did any of you guys look at other seminaries i actually transferred from another seminary a dispensational baptist seminary and became reformed through the Whitehorse Inn. So that is one thing that specifically brought me to Westminster Seminary in California, the ministry of the Whitehorse Inn and the teaching of Michael Horton. And I knew that this is a place where I could get historic reformed theology and be taught not just the theory, but also the practice. Mm. And as Chuck said, the student-faculty relationship is not, there's, there's no glass ceiling between students and faculty there's not a barrier that we can't get their time. Uh, there's a very close relationship with students and faculty. And the commitment to confessionalism is what also led me here. We're not just reformed in the five points of Calvinism, but we have a robust reformed theology, piety, and practice that extends to every aspect of ministry, but also to daily life. If I can add one thing to what I said before, yeah, was that... The fact that the seminary is committed to being pastor scholars, that was something that was very interesting to me about the seminary as well, and that all the faculty are churchmen and scholars, and that as someone studying to be a pastor as well, I think you need to be both those things. You need to be a scholar and a pastor, and knowing that every faculty member here is committed to that and is that, um, that was something that, that I wanted to be a part of as well. 
Now, uh, Chuck, you came from Detroit, so you, you, I don't think you had a lot of choices uh, coming from Detroit. Uh, um, you either had to go, you know, east or west or or south. Right. Um, uh, Dan, you started off in in a sense in another tradition and then became yes. reformed. Now, Ross. You come from the southeast part of the of the United States. Whereabouts exactly? Uh, I come from Alabama, uh, okay. central Alabama, and there are many seminary choices in that area. Um, and I, I would echo what my brothers here have said um, about uh, the seminary being a place where pastor scholars are trained. Uh, not to um, insult any other seminaries or my friends who have gone there, but uh, for me there was no other choice besides Westminster um, because I. I'm not aware of any other seminary that has uh, as high academic um, standards and that really emphasizes the languages as Westminster does uh, and that um, pushes um, its students to be um, excellent in their scholarship and excellent in their uh, pastoral commitment. And the professors model model that for the students. Uh, You don't get either or, you get both, Uh and that's um, very important to me. Now, when you're in Alabama and you're you're in, in an undergraduate, uh, and you're thinking about uh, seminary. In fact, you just came out here, so um, this, this was, these were decisions that you've been working through uh, very recently. It wasn't like you had to do this a long time ago. Correct. And uh, you've got all these other options, and they're and they're good options. I mean, there there's some very good seminaries uh, near you. When you were thinking about moving to California, moving to Southern California, did you were there were there any concerns that you had to overcome thinking about the geographic relocation from the southeast part of the United States to what I assume is a relatively unfamiliar part of the country? Well, sure. There's always considerations. Uh, Money is the biggest one. Um, Everybody knows that Southern California is very expensive, and that's a big deal. People think about money, and people think about um, practicality, and, you know, why would I move, you know, 2,500 miles away and spend a lot more money on living um, than than I when I could get a, a very good education uh, close by. Um, but having the conviction that uh, the Lord wants us to be excellent at what we do, and again, both as a pastor and a scholar, um, and being familiar with the faculty here, uh, it was my conviction that this is the best seminary. Hmm. And we know the Lord provides, and he does, and he has. Um, How has it been since you've been out here? Was it what you expected? Uh, what have you found uh, and what have the differences been between what you expected and what you found? Well, I had the added advantage of being able to visit a few times, and so I, my expectations were uh, have been met for the most part. Um, but the the people here are not scary. Uh, some people would think that oh, Southern Californians are uh, you know these left wing liberal um, activists that are ready to bomb your car when you tell them you're a seminary <laughs> student. Uh, but my car has not been keyed, uh, and I haven't been my life hasn't been threatened. Um, but it's actually been pretty nice uh, weather since. You oh goodness, <laughs> the uh, the weather here is extraordinary compared to the south. Have you seen a mosquito yet? <laughs> What's what are those? <laughs> exactly. Okay. No palmetto bugs in Southern yeah. California. Yeah, I rest, I rest my case. Yeah, uh, and so it's been uh, it's been very very pleasant. It's been uh, it's been wonderful. The transition was actually much easier than I thought it was going to be. Okay, um, it it's been very much a blessing. But let's go back and talk about finances because I think that's that's huge. That's something that everyone thinks about. And I, and when I talk to prospective students, it's the, maybe the number one or number two thing uh, that that we always discuss. Uh, so how do you fellows manage? Uh, and and Ross, I want to go back to you because I know that you're doing something uh, that I think is really creative. Uh, what are you doing to help manage the cost of seminary? Sure, um, I sent out support letters to. Uh, the members of my congregation back home and to friends and family members uh, telling them that I believe the Lord had called me to the ministry. Uh, Many of them have interacted in my life and have been a part of um, seeing me grow into a call and uh, asked them to support me financially. And uh, many of them have responded and have um, donated money for uh, my educational expenses and for living expenses and so forth. And so that combined with other means of, you know, working and scholarships and so forth um, has, has made it possible. And, and you actually have a, a website, right? You have a blog I do. that you're writing on, and you, there's a place you can go on that blog if people want to look at that and, and can contribute to your education. You, you actually set up a, a nonprofit uh, corporation. Is that, is that, did I understand that correctly? Um, no, I didn't set it up, uh, okay. but there is one. Uh, there's a, 
that you can go to the blog and see. Um, and what's the, the, go ahead and give the blog address. Uh, the blog address is HTTP um, uh, Unfolding Sovereignty. Okay. One word, dot wordpress.com. Unfolding Sovereignty, uh, dot wordpress.com. And you, so if, if you're, if, if a prospective student is listening and wondering, well, how, how can I do this? How can I manage uh, expenses? Uh, how can I, I help encourage people to, uh, to help me fulfill my vocation um, to become a pastor? Uh, this is a, that's a creative way uh, of addressing this. One of the things I like about this is, is that uh, I think uh, we need to ask, and we often don't have the help we need because we don't ask. So it, it, I understand there are cultural challenges and, and personal challenges that make it sometimes difficult to ask. But it seems to me as I read the New Testament that the, that the Apostle Paul is not at all ashamed to ask for help. You're not asking for people to give you money so you can go buy a, a new car or something. You're asking uh, for help to, uh, to fulfill a, a, a glorious vocation to become a, a minister. So, so uh, Chuck and Dan, how are you guys managing the, the financial aspect of this? Um, I was actually, I'm an older student. I'm 43 years old. I was actually. That's, in the, that's not that old, by the way. <laughs> an older student. Yeah, let's just get the parameters set so, here. 43 is not that old. <laughs> um, and I was in the automotive industry for about 15 or 20 years before I came out to seminary. Uh, I was in Detroit. And so finances obviously were something to consider, and the cost of living between Detroit and uh, San Diego is significant. However, um, it's interesting when you look at the cost per unit of education with Westminster compared to its uh, other seminaries um, is about the same. Um, so then it's just a matter of what, what are you going to do in terms of cost of living. And there are a lot of – I was surprised at how uh, well thought out the admissions department has already thought about those things for students coming in because it's not the first time that someone said, hey, Southern California is more expensive than wherever they're from. So they actually had quite a few programs and tips and ideas, and there was um, the development department here is uh, very actively involved in fundraising and having opportunities available for scholarships or uh, financial aid. So I actually found it to be uh, very helpful in terms of the resources that they were able to provide, and I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't as proactive as as Ross was. But I've been surprised at what you were saying, uh, Dr. Clark, at how many people are willing to help out when they know that there's a need or a situation, whether that's um, the deacons in your church or individuals in your church or family members. I've been surprised at sometimes just getting a check now and then from a family member Mm. that just says, hey, we really are behind you and support what you're doing, and they just sent me something. Uh, One of the things I I think is important to get out is that – I don't think it's as expensive here as people think it is. I agree with that. First of all, we're in Escondido. We're not in in San Diego proper. We're not in the city. We're in a a nice, quiet suburb north of the city, about 20 minutes north of San Diego. And, you know, uh, we're inland a little bit, about 18 miles from the coast. So you're you're not paying for for living next to the ocean exactly. There are a lot of ways, I think, in which, you know, it's less expensive. There are some ways in which food is less expensive. Uh, you don't, you know, Ross comes from a part of the country and so do you. And actually, so do you where Dan, where you need air conditioning a lot of the summer. You can go a long ways out here without running your air conditioner. That's, that's a good point. As a matter of fact, um, I thought it was going to be a lot worse than what it was. And part of the the situation for me was when we moved out here, Michelle and I were looking for a house when we came out here and looking Mm. at a house compared to, to Michigan is different, but most students, aren't looking to uh, to buy a house as well. And so there's many different housing options available, but the cost of living isn't, you're right. It, it's not as uh, significant as people think. As a matter of fact, some things you won't even, there, there isn't even a change. Sure. And <laughs> you, you don't have to drive as much. You can ride a bicycle, you can walk. Uh, I live eight blocks from school. And so if I had any gumption, I could I could walk. So if they had a shower here, I probably would. But if I, when I walk, I get all sweaty. And we, and and we I, wish you would do that as yeah, well. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and if I might add, um, I, I'm actually spending less uh, here on rent and on food than I did back home um, mm. because the students many times, oftentimes, will live together. Yeah. And we're splitting rent, and then there's no tax on food here, which back home there is. And so you get three or four uh, guys in a house or, or an apartment or six, and uh, and actually then it becomes pretty reasonable and you've got you know some some uh, collegiality and fellowship, and I know Dan, you you and Marcy got uh, a place downtown that that worked out uh, seems to have worked out pretty well for you. Yeah, we're right in downtown Escondido. We can walk to many of the restaurants and things that are in downtown, and 
Uh, the way I get by is like all men should. I married up. And <laughs> well, I, yeah, looking at you fellows, I think any any of you who got married it would be up. So. That's the only way we can yeah, go. Exactly. So my wife and, and I then, eke by on one income, and I'm able to be a full time student, for which I'm very thankful. But the financial issue is a big thing, and many students that I've talked to in attempting to recruit for Westminster, that is a big issue. But the thing to think about is this is the rest of your life. Yeah. And Amen. You, you only do this once. You, you only go once. You have one shot at the best education you can get to prepare for ministry. And sure, the financial aspect is definitely part of it and a big part of it. But it's worth it to maybe take a loan out or scramble and live, you know, eke by for a few years to get the quality of education that we get here that you can't get maybe at some other seminaries or maybe even doing it, doing it online. Yeah. Dan's exactly right. It's a short-term investment. It's maybe three to four years, maybe. Uh-huh. And you're investing the rest of your life. Yeah, the rest of your life for that. And uh, my experience has been that after people graduate, uh, that the calling congregation, if you're an MDiv student, you graduate and you're, you're a candidate for a pastoral call, that the calling congregation understands that, hey, uh, this guy's coming to us. Uh, he went to seminary mm-hmm. and we're going to have to help him a little bit. All right. Well, that's, I, I hope that, uh, uh, gets, uh, the listener to think a little bit about, uh, uh, some other ways of thinking about, uh, financing. Cost, cost shouldn't, I think price, if you will, yeah. should never be an objection to coming here. There are ways that that can be worked around. And so just by contacting the admissions sure. office, there's ways to work through that. We serve a big God who's able Absolutely. to provide and he has not failed us yet. No, that, you know, I think that's a really good point that, I often tell prospective students, I can't tell you how God will provide. All I can tell you is what I've seen that that he has provided. None of our students have starved to death. They all have a place to live, and uh, you all look relatively healthy on graduation so far. (laughs) We we haven't had to wheel any of the graduates across the stage. A little too well fed. (laughs) Yeah, well, I wasn't going to go there, but all right, you said it. I I didn't. Um, Now, Dan, you uh, attended another seminary, and you transferred here. That must have been a difficult decision. Talk about that. How did that work, and why did you make that change? It was a difficult decision because I had been at the other seminary for a year and a half. I was over halfway done with my Master's of Divinity training. Obviously, I'd spent a considerable amount of money going to the school, but I was really drawn to Reformed Theology through the White Horse Inn and the ministry there. And when I saw what I was hearing from the White Horse Inn, was not what I was getting from my classes at the dispensational seminary. And I was drawn more and more to Reformed theology and began investigating it on my own and saw that it matched up more with the biblical text than the dispensational theology. And I knew that I had to be taught this. I had to, This was what the Bible teaches, and I had to go somewhere that would train me in this theology. So that led me to Westminster, where I knew I would get a robust, full Reformed theology, and not just the five points of Calvinism. Were there other issues uh, besides uh, the theological issues that, that caused you to reconsider and, and look at Westminster Seminary, California? Yeah, kind of the other half of my reason for leaving the other seminary was I came from a Bible college background. I was taught you know, on, on an undergraduate level some of the biblical studies, and what I was getting in seminary was at best a repeat of what I had done at an undergraduate level, and I wanted to take the next level. I wanted a graduate school environment for my seminary education. So I knew that as I investigated Westminster and investigated the faculty and their writings and sat in on classes before I enrolled, I knew that I would get a very stringent academic environment that would really challenge me at a level that I had not experienced before. Is this what you expected? How is it what you expected? And how is it not what you expected? Sure. Um, Well, it's actually... I expected with uh, this summer, uh, this summer session with Greek, it's an intensive five-week class, and I expected it to be very difficult, uh, and it is. <laughs> um, most students find that they're working harder than they've ever worked before uh, on anything, um, but I, I don't think I expected it to be as wonderful as it is. I, I knew it was going to be grueling, um, but I don't think I knew it was going to be beautiful, uh, and it is beautiful, and our, uh, what we are learning as far as exegeting the scriptures uh, or the foundations of exegeting the scriptures in, in Greek um, and from our professor, uh, it's, it's wonderful. There's, there's nothing like sitting in a classroom and having your professor say, here are the love words of your Savior in the original language. And this is 
some nuances to them, and this is what they mean, and this is something that you could never get in English, but that we need to understand. Uh, so it's it it has been very uh, challenging, um, and it's not over yet. Uh, but you, you expected some of that, right? Yes, absolutely. I knew it was going to be I knew it was going to be extremely hard, um, but I don't think I knew it was going to be uh, this satisfying and this wonderful at okay. the same time. Chuck, talk a little bit about um, the opportunities the seminary gives you to put into practice uh, the things that you're learning in your uh, in your courses. Uh, sure. Well, as as we talked about, the seminary is really focused on being pastors and scholars, and that they go together. There's no antithesis there at all. Actually, there's harmony there. So we want to be really good students and rigorous in our academic study, and we also want to take that um, to the people of God and learning how to feed God's people and what it, what's involved in being a churchman and a pastor. One of the ways that that's most uh, lived out or exercised here is in terms of the field education, which we have 700 hours of field education where, for me, I go to a URC church, a United Reformed Church, and so I work actively with my pastor on every aspect of uh, ministry. I go through and exhort at my church. Uh, I teach different classes, uh, sit in on consistory uh, meetings, which are similar to sessions in Presbytery, um, and uh, go on house visits with elders, been at the hospital, uh, visiting uh, some of our congregation that's uh, been, been in the hospital. And you kind of are involved in every aspect of church life to learn more about that and then reflect on that with the pastors, elders, deacons, as well as the other faculty members. And all of that is a big part of learning what it means to be a pastor and to care for the people of God. So there's 700 hours of field education on top of the rigorous academics that you're getting as well. And I think that that's an integral part of training as a pastor and mentor, mentorship. Dan, how how has uh, working in a congregation uh, this summer, as you have been, and then you've you've been doing it uh, last year as well? How has that affected your study? How has that changed the way you study? Um, in in many ways, it's actually made me more. Uh, it's given me a desire to be more precise in my studies because I'm not just, you know, writing a paper. I'm not just doing an exam, I'm actually teaching this to real people and they're, they're taking what I'm teaching them and applying it to their daily lives. And there's a a large element of fear involved that I might say something that's, you know, not quite right. So I, I, it gives me much more of a desire to be very accurate and very precise in the text or whatever I'm teaching so that these people are not confused, that they don't take something that's an error into their lives but the flip side of that is the the great reward that I receive when you know some of the people in our congregation have told me, yeah, what we talked about in the Bible study the other day, I was able to use that when I talked to my unsaved family member. Mm-hmm. And the reward that comes from that hands-on training is invaluable that we get not only in the classroom and then we can take that into our internships and really experience the blessings of pastoral ministry. One of the things about that as well is something that's focused on here in terms of the classes, but particularly in terms of field education, is that doing exegesis or doing all the work that you do to prepare a sermon is um, looking at the original languages, what the passage means in its various contexts, isn't all of the work of preparing a sermon. Um, and that you need to be able to take it and uh, preach that sermon. And so um, in all of our classes, it's important to not only learn what the passage says and that can end up sounding academic, but how do you preach that? How, how does that actually come out in your homiletic method and how you teach and how you preach? And uh, the field education, I think, is really helpful for that because if you only do your exegesis, you've only done half the work of preaching a sermon. You also have to take it and be able to do that present that in a, with your homiletic. Talk a little bit about, uh, Chuck, a little bit about uh, uh, going to the hospital for your first hospital visit as a student and as a, as a future pastor. Uh, not the details exactly, but how was it and, and uh, how was it what you expected? It, it wasn't really what I expected. I'd never done that before, and it was interesting. Two of the elders of my church were there when I arrived, and they were uh, meeting with one of the members of the congregation, and it was very humbling and rewarding to hear them uh, 
encourage this believer, encourage this covenant member about who they are in Christ mm-hmm. and to see the covenant, the covenant church caring for this individual and particularly the leaders, the ones who are appointed to shepherd mm-hmm. uh, this person's soul were there and they were uh, talking to them. They were listening patiently. They were going through scripture, uh, reading scripture together and praying together. And they were basically reassuring them of who they are in Christ and the promises of Christ and the gospel. And to see uh, these elders there, uh, it was just a very humbling uh, situation, and it was also uh, encouraging to see the church live out its mission. This is they, they should be there doing these things. The elders should be there caring for the flock, mm-hmm. and they were. Um, and it was uh, it was it was uh, humbling and educational to see even how they addressed some of the concerns. It did it made you want to do it some more. Absolutely. If you had a chance to talk to a prospective student who's uh, listening. And you had one thing that you could say to this prospective student who's thinking about attending seminary and considering Westminster Seminary, California. Now, what what one thing would you say? As as we mentioned earlier, this is the rest of your life. You spend three or four years in seminary, and you experience the benefits or the downsides of that for the rest of your life. If you did not get a quality education in your three or four years of seminary, that's going to affect your ministry for the rest of your life. So what I would say to a prospective student is think about what you want for your entire ministry. For the next 40 years of your life in ministry, how can you best be prepared for that as a pastor, as a theologian, a pastor theologian? And the best place that I think you can get that is Westminster Seminary, California. I would say that one of the themes of the seminary, it says, for Christ, his gospel, and his church, that when you come to Westminster Seminary, California, all of those things really are addressed. That's what all of the professors, the faculty, the staff, that's what we're pushing for. We care about Christ, his gospel, and his church, and that you're going to learn as a pastor and scholar what it means to be able to address those things in people's lives, how, how, how you go out and shepherd God's people and care about Christ, his gospel, and his church. And it's important to get those things right theoretically and doctrinally, but also pastorally. As the novice here, uh, the one just arrived, um, I think there's some things still fresh on my mind uh, that, that perhaps won't be four years from now. Um, but just the idea that, you know, trust the Lord um, to provide uh, and you do want to come to the place that will uh, give you the best education possible um, that will teach you to be a pastor and a scholar where the professors um, will pastor you and teach you, where the professors model a love for Jesus Christ and his congregation and his people. And to echo my brothers, I don't think there's a seminary where you get that uh, any better. And the Lord will provide uh, to get you here and to keep you here, uh, and it's absolutely worth it. Well, thank you, fellows, very much. Thanks to uh, Dan Borvin, Ross Hodges, and Chuck Tedrick for sitting in for this first part of this special edition of Office Hours. Coming up next, part two of this special edition of Office Hours. Good afternoon, Westminster Seminary, California. This is Shireen. How may I direct your call? How are you a prospective student? All right, what program were you interested in? Okay, let me check and see if Mark is available. He's the head of our admissions department, and he should be able to answer all of your questions. One moment. Westminster Seminary, California, this is Mark. We're talking with Mark McVeigh, Director of Enrollment Management at Westminster Seminary, California. Welcome, Mark, to Office Hours. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for spending some time with us. And the reason you're here today is to field some tough questions. I'm going to uh, represent the uh, prospective student and ask you some of the questions that, uh, that I know that you get, some of the more uh, frequent questions uh, that you get. Uh, first of all, then, Mark, what is distinct about Westminster Seminary, California? Why should I attend Westminster as opposed to some other school? Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing uh, I would say uh, is that there are a lot of good seminaries out there. There's a lot of reformed seminaries. We're not without competition. But I think there are some things that uh, definitely set us apart as an institution. And uh, first, I would say we're a confessional institution. That means we take the reformed confessions very seriously. 
our faculty and board of trustees all subscribe to the Reformed Confessions. Um, and uh, it's not just uh, something they do um, to get a job or to, to be part of the institution. They really do believe it. And all of our faculty are also ordained ministers, and they, they have ecclesiastical um, uh, connections and, and, and ecclesiastical commitments to the confessions. Um, so it's not just as they're in their role here at the institution, uh, but also ecclesiastically. Um, we take our Reformed history uh, seriously. Um, we, we trace our, our start back to the way Calvin trained pastors in Geneva uh, through Old Princeton here in the United States and, and uh, Westminster in Philadelphia, and now our campus here in California. We try to uphold that Reformed tradition. Uh, secondly, I'd say we're very act- academic. We take our academics seriously. Um, we uh, are very, um, very uh, purposeful in what we do academically. Uh, we take the languages seriously. Uh, Machen's call when he founded Westminster was to train specialists in the Bible, and we take that um, that charge that he gave uh, to be our charge here at Westminster Seminary, California. Um, so you will learn the languages, Greek and Hebrew, if you become a student at Westminster Seminary. Uh, we take that seriously. Uh, it's a demanding task, but we think it's an important task for all pastors to be properly trained in those disciplines, as well as church history, historical theology, uh, theological studies, uh, biblical studies, and pastoral or practical theology. Um, finally, I'd say we're, we're very personal in our approach. Um, we do believe the mode of education is important. Um, so uh, we believe in a traditional form of education, uh, brick and mortar, if you will. And um, we don't um, have any distance education because we think that the best education happens in a face-to-face context. And we want to uphold that. Uh, our faculty have time for students. They all have office hours. Um, I've Trust over the the, follow, the po- previous podcast, you'd have an opportunity to get to know them. Um, and if you were a student here, you'd get to know them personally, face-to-face, in their offices during the uh, the school year and also outside of class um, and, and outside of the academic year. In church, in, at lunch, in yeah. the hallway, uh, sometimes in the supermarket. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Escondido's not a very large city, yeah. so... so. And, uh, you know, we have a a 1 to 12 faculty-student ratio. Uh, We believe class size is important, and um, and we we don't have a desire to outgrow um, that uh, sort of mode of education that we think is helpful for students. What are the differences between the MA and the MDiv, and and how do I sort out which degree I I should take? I'm just starting to think about seminary, and I, I don't know. I mean, a master's degree is a master's degree, isn't it? Yeah, the, the Master of Divinity degree in particular is for pastors. It's to train pastors in churches. That's the primary purpose uh, of the MDiv degree. Uh, the MDiv is our primary degree. About 70% of our students are in the MDiv program, um, and uh, it has a, a good deal of pastoral or practical theology involved, as well as the academic uh, disciplines that are necessary for being a pastor. Um, and uh, we, the MA degrees are more academic in nature in the sense that they don't have the practical theology um, but still have a lot of purposes. Um, students that, that go into missions or teaching or education, those sorts of things, uh, often pursue an MA degree. Um, but we uh, have students that uh, you know come here and realize that they have a call and they may start an MA program and move to an MDiv um, or vice versa. Um, but uh, both uh, programs are profitable to students uh, educationally. Um, both are very rigorous. We require the languages in all of the programs, um, and it really just depends on where they, they want to end up vocationally. And if someone is a female, prospective female student, uh, uh, female students are eligible for our MA programs, correct? Yes, uh, that is correct. We have females in our MA programs, um, you know, about 5 to 10% of our students student body uh, is uh, female students, and, and uh, they're encouraged here. They're welcomed here. Um, we don't have students in our Master Divinity program um, uh, because our faculty and board of trustees and the confessions to which they subscribe um, uh, don't promote females in ministry. But at the same time, we feel that the women can have play valuable roles in all sorts of uh, places in the life of the church. Well, if, let's say I go into the MA, uh, one of the MA uh, degrees. You, what, are your, what are your MA degrees at West Mr. Seminary, California. Yeah, our, our MA programs, we have three particular emphases. Uh, the first is biblical studies, uh, which is primarily focused in on exegetical theology. Um, and secondly, we have the 
theological studies program, which is more focused towards systematic theology. And we finally, we have the historical theology program, which um, is, is a, all about historical theology, the church, uh, history, church history, and um, the development of doctrine throughout the history of the church. Well, let's say I enroll in one of those programs. You mentioned some things that I could do with them. What, uh, talk a little bit more about what uh, I could do with uh, an MA degree from Westminster Seminary, California. Yeah, we, our graduates are in a, in a variety of different vocational disciplines. Uh, first, uh, and, and one of the primary um, uh, dis- things that our graduates do is go on and do further Ph.D. studies. We have a, a very good track record of putting students uh, from our MA programs, but also our MD programs, into uh, programs in uh, biblical studies, theological studies, historical theology, uh, and postgraduate work uh, programs. And uh, so a lot of students will do that and then go into the professorate or teach you know, at, at various forms of uh, higher education. Um, uh, secondly, we have students that will go into the mission field. Uh, the MA program can be very useful in, in preparing students for that. Um, uh, we've had uh, students go into even non-religious uh, vocations. We've had students go on to law school or engineering, anything uh, like that, but they, they've found their education to be useful in their day-to-day work uh, and lives. Um, it's, it's very useful for those that could be elders in the church or ruling elders or part of a consistory. Um, that, uh, that they may not be directly involved in ministry, but um, but can help in the church context in that manner. Mark, I, I'm, I'm interested in the MDiv program, but uh, you know I'm not entirely sure that uh, I'm called to pastoral ministry. Can if I'm uncertain, if I have doubt, I, I don't know. Maybe it's wrong if I go into the MDiv program. It, it, isn't the MDiv for people who have had you know some sort of uh, special uh, confirmation from God that, that that's what they should do? Uh, very good question. I, I, we do encourage students to to take that call seriously. Um, and But one thing to note is that we're here to help students do that. Um, not all of our students come to seminary with um, every uh, aspect of that call right before them. Um, one of the things that we do is, is uh, help them evaluate that. We believe that uh, there's an external confirmation and also the internal confirmation, and we can help with both of those processes uh, at Westminster Seminary California. California, um, and uh, and can help students evaluate their their skills and abilities for ministry, but also their calling to ministry. Uh, Mark, let me ask you: uh, How does the seminary interact with uh, the church? Uh, you know, if I come here as an MDiv student, is there a way that I can uh, work in a church and test my gifts and my calling? Yeah, our, we're uh, as an institution, we don't consider ourselves to be the church, but we're an institution that comes alongside the church um, in uh, the, one of the church's most essential roles in preparing uh, ministers to preach the gospel. And um, in that role, uh, we work very closely with churches and denominations to prepare students the, properly uh, to be ordained in those um, institutions. What, what we do... Um, in particular, to do this is encourage internships. We have 700 hours of required internship activity uh, for all of our Master of Divinity students. Um, there's a very clear evaluative process for that. Um, so students are evaluated both by the local church and by the professors here at Westminster Seminary uh, to uh, determine if they have the, the the gifts, the skills, the abilities that they, they have a proper um, uh, that they're properly uh, putting into practice the things they learn in the class. Classroom in a church setting. And before I come to seminary, do I have to get permission from my pastor or, 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 my, or my session, uh, my deacons, my elders? What, how does that work? As part of the application process, we do take the church's recommendation very seriously. We have an ecclesiastical reference that must come from a, the, the, the person's, uh, the applicant's uh, pastor or elder. Um, we, we, they need to be a member of a church uh, that can confirm that they're fit to come and study uh, for the ministry or study at an, a theological institution. And so, yeah, it's, it's a very important part of our process of evaluating applicants. I, you know, I... I... I'm interested in being reformed. I, I've been listening to this White Horse Inn thing, reading Modern Reformation, and I've heard some, you know, I've heard R.C. Sproul and things. And it's interesting, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm but I, I, I kind of want to explore it. But uh, I've heard that Westminster Seminary is kind of a hardcore reformed place. Am I going to fit in, or am I going to be an oddball? How is that going to go? 
Uh, I would just first say, come and join us. You're welcome uh, here. Um, uh, we we are very confessional, as I already mentioned. We take our our, our view of the confession seriously. Our, so, do I have to sign that? Thing? Uh, absolutely not. As a, as a prospective student uh, coming in, or even to graduate, we don't require that our students sign off on the confessions. Uh, most of them will do that when they go and do their ecclesiastical uh, exams. But um, most of our students coming in um, are with us on the confessions. But not every student. We have a, a, a I think think a unique unity in our uh, faculty and uh, a little bit more diversity in our student body as far as um, where they come from church-wise, ecclesiastically, and I think it makes for a healthy discussion on campus. Um, and we welcome students that uh, that are not um, fully uh, reformed in any way or, or on, the, on the path to a Presbyterian or Reformed church. Um, and uh, we've had graduates that don't hold to everything that our faculty would hold to, but we welcome here, and I think they've been comfortable here in our institution. What about this? I, I started, you know, I, I had this idea I should go to seminary, and I had an idea maybe I should go into the ministry, uh, but I, I, you know, I just sort of went a natural tra- uh, direction, and I entered into a, another school, and I've got a certain number of credits there. Uh, but now, you know, I've been reading, and I've been listening to some things, and I'm thinking, well, may- maybe I would be better off at Westminster Seminary, California. What, what do I do? What do I do with those credits? You know, can I can I just transfer them, or, or what happens with that? Yeah, we certainly welcome uh, transfer students. We get a lot of students uh, transferring from other institutions, and and um, that uh, they can bring those credits with them. Um, because our our program uh, is is fairly unique, we require a lot of languages and those sorts of things. Um, it's set up differently than a lot of seminaries. So in in some cases, uh, we might not take all of your credits, but we'll do what we can to make it work within our program um, and in our required courses, and also in the electives that we require. So. Uh, we welcome transfer students. Um, we have several of them each year um, who come to us because they want uh, the, what we have to offer educationally. Um, generally, they want to be in a Reformed uh, seminary uh, that uh, embraces the, the uh, confessions and uh, trains students to preach the gospel. Is there any way, since I'm a long way from the seminary, and it's a, it would be a, you know, a big thing to uproot my family or myself and, and move to Escondido, as, a, as beautiful as it is, uh, can, I, can I start seminary from a distance and then kind of see how I like it, and, and then maybe, maybe then I would come to seminary? Would you guys do that for me? Uh, we do not, uh, at this point, have any uh, forms of distance education. Um, well, uh, you know, why not? We've got computers. Uh, you know, here we are sitting in front of all this equipment. Uh, uh, you know, we've got, I've got Skype. You know, I Skype with friends in Europe all the time. And uh, why, why are you people just uh, Luddite uh, backwards uh, technically? What's what's wrong with you? Uh, we uh, we we definitely uh, maybe could get that reputation, but we're certainly not Luddites. Uh, you know, I think the thing that's important, uh, as I mentioned before, is that uh, the mode of education for us is not neutral. We 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 believe uh, that. Uh, passionately believe uh, that the best way to train pastors and ministers and even uh, train folks to do academic work is to do it uh, face-to-face, in person. Uh, We believe in mentorship, uh, mentorship that you can't get through a computer. Um, you know, this, the, we've come a long ways technologically, and uh, we don't want to devalue that. Um, and it can play a role in the classroom and, the, and all sorts of things. But we also want to emphasize strongly that the, we feel that the best way to train pastors is in a, in a pastor, a personal sort of what you could call tr- brick-and-mortar type educational setting uh, where faculty and students can interact on a personal level. Can you defend it a little bit more in a little bit more uh, depth or detail? Because... I've always had the idea, you know, I as a prospective student, I've always had the idea that education is really about the transmission of information. And so uh, my assumption is the professors have information that I'd like to have. And I guess it really doesn't matter how I get it. If I could just crack open their skulls and get it out of their brains and into my brain, isn't that what we're doing? And if I can do that at home in my pajamas in, in front of my computer and, you know, and there, you know, over there in California, uh, you know, through a video link or, or, or Skype or whatever, I, I still don't, not quite sure why you won't sell me the information that you have, why you insist that I come all the way out to California to, to get an education. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the most important thing is that uh, 
um, you can't necessarily develop a personal relationship through Skype or any of those other technological uh, uh, tools. Um, we have here, uh, our faculty is made up of pastor scholars, meaning that they all pastoral, uh, they all have pastoral experience in the church. Um, they're all ordained, uh, but they also are specialists in their fields of study. And um, our program is built around the idea that, that they can uh, share that experience, not just the knowledge, um, but also the wisdom of their pastoral experience, uh, that they can counsel our students, that they can prepare them for the practical aspects of ministry, um, that, uh, that they can can uh, work together and, and also minister together in the same context here locally in Escondido. And we think that's important. Uh, we think um, that uh, it's not just about the transmission of knowledge, but the, the, the knowledge should be um, uh, given to our students in a very personal, practical way, um, that uh, the experience of the student through seminary is not um, unimportant. Um, but we also, beyond the faculty-student relationship, it's very important for students to study and learn in community with each other. Uh, we, we take that seriously as well. You know, as many of our students would say, they learn a lot outside of class, um, you know, discussing the things that went on in class, discussing the issues of the day, um, and that that experience is almost as important as what they learn in the classroom. And uh, we take that seriously. We want students to not be isolated, but to share the, the educational experience together. All right. Well, I, I, this is interesting. You've said some things I didn't quite expect. So I, I guess now I have to think a little more carefully and closely about uh, maybe making the trip out there. Um, what happens? Can I visit? How does that work? Yeah, we would definitely welcome uh, students to visit. It's a, it's a very important part of, uh, I think, of the evaluative process of seminaries. Um, we, we invite students to visit personally. Um, individually, can uh, I can I sit in on classes? Yes, yes, certainly can. We we offer all our classes to, to visiting students to sit in. We we generally give them an opportunity to uh, meet with professors, meet with current students. Um, we set up a full day of, of uh, w- things that would be helpful for them to really evaluate whether Westminster Seminary of California is the place for them. Um, in addition to personal visits, we have a seminary for a day event uh, that we host uh, t- uh, twice a year. So yeah, you have them in the fall and then. Again, in the spring, in the spring of spring. each year. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's an important time. We bring several students at the same time together on campus uh, to, to uh, experience a day in the life of a seminarian here at Westminster Seminary, California. Uh, what happens? What do I do? So I fly out or I drive uh, to, to Escondido, and, and then what? Uh, it, it's a it's a full day of uh, both uh, classwork. Um, you get to sit in on some classes. Uh, we have an opportunity to get a faculty panel together, uh, where where students can ask questions of faculty and interact with them on both theological issues and practical issues related to seminary education. Uh, we have time to meet with admissions and financial aid uh, uh, professionals here at Westminster Seminary California, um, and as well as uh, an opportunity to, to meet with current students and, and, and th- so they can share their experience of being a student at Westminster Seminary. And, um, and finally, uh, uh, there's some just time to, to relax and enjoy the day, enjoy the, the weather in Southern California, and interact with those other visitors. How, how uh, difficult is it to get to Escondido? Yeah, we're, we are very easy to get to. We're, we're located uh, in Southern California, just north of San Diego, about a 30-minute drive from the airport. Um, it's, a, it's an easy flight, easy drive up to Escondido. Um, we are uh, roughly 100 miles south of uh, downtown Los Angeles. Um, and um, beautiful location, beautiful uh, opportunities. We're you know, about 20 minutes from the coast. We're about 30, 40 minutes from some mountains. You can see some snow in the wintertime. So it's a great location geographically. But uh, we... We uh, are very uh, easy to get to in many ways, lots of opportunities to travel here. If I come out to Westminster Seminary, California, will I have time to go over to the coast and, and surf? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> we, we definitely uh, recommend students um, use it as a time just to relax and enjoy themselves, not just about the seminary, but um, to see what our students get to take advantage of uh, 365 days a year and the beautiful weather and all of that. Uh, here's the difficult one, maybe. How, how am I going to pay for this. I, you know, my perception is that Southern California is an expensive place. Uh, so first of all, where does Westminster rank relative to tuition? 
Uh, tuition wise, we're we're actually very comparable and even a little bit below uh, the cost of many other uh, reformed accredited uh, schools. Um, some students are surprised sometimes when they look at the, the numbers at other schools. Um, but uh, tuition wise, uh, we, it's three hundred fifty dollars a credit uh, hour. Uh, it comes out to be between eleven and twelve thousand dollars per year. Um, but we do offer some generous financial aid uh, packages that can help um, uh, work towards that cost. Are there other ways of defraying the the cost of education as well? In terms of loans, I I mean, I I have a couple of loans from my undergraduate uh, program. How how does that work for grad students? Yeah, we we have... uh different options as far as, as financial aid goes. Uh, first, we have we have we do have loans. Um, mm-hmm. All of our students generally uh, are qualified to take out federal student loans. We are accredited and, and can work with the government uh, financial aid programs. Um, so we have student loans, both subsidized and unsubsidized, um, and uh, fairly generous. Although we use, we encourage students to use those wisely, especially if they're going to the ministry, we don't encourage them to incur a lot of debt. But we also also have some non-repayable financial aid options. Uh, we have some uh, need-based scholarships based on the student's uh, need. Uh, most of our students, uh, being you know seminary students, qualify for those. They don't have great-paying jobs, so we do have uh, need-based grants. We also have some merit scholarships uh, that are fairly generous. Uh, we also work with churches through a church matching grant program, through which we can match the church's contribution to a student's education. So uh, all told throw those things in and um you know we we generally often can cover 20 to 50 percent of the students education which can make it much more uh, reasonable to come here to westminster seminary okay so i guess what you're telling me is it, it isn't really as expensive as uh maybe i thought or or assumed or maybe even as sometimes has been uh, suggested um uh, to me, well, well, that that that's interesting. So, if, if I want to get in contact with you by email, uh, it's nice to talk, but you know, sometimes I have a question. Uh, how can I shoot you an email? Yeah, we, I'd love to to have your email, uh, receive your email or phone call. Uh, you can email us at admissions at wscal dot edu. So it's admissions at wscal dot edu. Uh, even easier, you can go to our website uh, www wscal.edu and use the contact form there and we'll send you out a a packet of information. We'll also follow up with you uh, by email and by phone and um, and hopefully build a relationship with you that, that will be encouraging as you go through this process of considering seminary. That's it for this edition of Office Hours. Thanks to our producer, Robert Riccio, and to Katie Wagonmaker for filling in on the board today. Thanks to Young Mi Cha for help with the graphics and to Adam Kloss for technical assistance. We'll be back next time for another episode so you can listen to Office Hours online or subscribe and download it to your iPod or MP3 player. Go to wscal.edu slash office hours. We want to hear from you. Email us at officehours at wscal.edu. For more information about this program or about Westminster Seminary, California, please visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Copyright 2009, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to our website is preferred.